in endurance races like big bike rides and marathons, crowds of people will line the route to spur on the, 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 the runners or the riders. And they'll call out encouragements like, great work, you're going really well, or you're looking good. When I used to um, do some of those races, I'd sometimes answer in my head, well, I don't feel very good. But on other occasions, more often I'd like you to know, I'd feel gratitude. Uh, thank, thank you, I need the encouragement. But what if, when someone called out like that, what if I just stopped and walked and stood beside them and thanked them for their recognition of my efforts and then went off home? A bit strange, eh? They'd be surprised because that's not what they'd intended without actually using the words, when they were saying, great work, you're going really well, they were also saying, keep going. Their words often did spur me on, and I knew it didn't mean stop, it meant keep going. Well, today, here in 1 John, we're going to see some great encouragements which also carry a keep going message. Let's quickly recap what we saw last week when we began this series looking in the letter of 1 John. 1 John's thought to be written by the Apostle John, one of Jesus' close disciples, who, read, who wrote that Gospel of John, which is why we've been, we're reading bits of the Gospel of John as our other reading. Uh, today we saw the feeding of the 5,000. As you read the whole book of 1 John, it's clear that he's writing to encourage the believers, the recipients, that their Christian faith and their church is authentic and pleasing to God. And they need this assurance because it seems that a group have left them claiming that they have a new and a better way of knowing God. So one of the verses we looked at last week and which we've picked up from chapter 5 to be our title series for this series, our title verse for this series is in chapter 5. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. John is writing to urge them to stick with the messenger himself and the message. He, after all, was an eyewitness to Jesus and an earwitness to Jesus' teachings. And he says to them throughout the book, Watch out for those who are trying to lead you astray. They have actually walked off into darkness because they're walking in a way of sin and away from God, not attending to what God wills. And that sort of encouragement with in mind those that have gone away and the pressure that might be on the Christians who are left to think, oh, gee, we're not doing the right thing and maybe... We're not believing and maybe we're not saved. Maybe we don't have a relationship with God. That sort of thing is behind what we see uh, today in the encouragements of chapter 2. And there's two encouragements I want to show you. And the first one with a keep going message in today's passage is this. You can be sure you know and love God if you keep his commands. You can be sure you know and love God as you keep his commands. If you really know someone, then you respond appropriately to them, to what they're like, or otherwise you'll, you'll damage the relationship. So if you know someone who tends to be anxious and nervy about new things, as you relate to them, you might seek to be calm and reassuring. 
Or if you know someone who has authority over you, like, say, a police officer, you recognise that authority and pull over and submit to the random breath test when you're requested to. If, if you really know someone, you respond appropriately to who they are. Well, what as Christians do we know about God? We know he's the sovereign creator of the world. He made the world, he owns the world, including us. That his plans for the world, which involve the actions of people toward each other and the rest of creation. And, and that all of us ultimately are accountable to him for how we live the life he's gifted us. So what's the appropriate response to God? It's got to be, doesn't it, trusting obedience. If, as a creature of the sovereign God, I live my life ignoring what he wills, I'm either stupid or I don't know him. I don't really know him and and what he's like. I haven't acted appropriately given who he is. And so that leads to John's first encouragement in this passage tonight. We know we've come to know him if we keep his commands. Now, we know from chapter 1 here that John doesn't mean we come to know him if we keep his commands perfectly. Remember in verse 8 of chapter 1, John said, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. What John's talking about here is the direction of a person's life. If you're someone who takes notice of what God wills as set out in the Bible and tries to live in accordance with that because God is God and you should seek to live for him, then be encouraged because John is wanting to encourage that by your behaviour you're proving you really do know God. Now I hope you're asking yourself what John has in mind here in verse 3 when he talks about keep his commands. What, what are the commands which, when kept, demonstrate that we know God? Well, I reckon John clarifies this later in his letter. The thing about John's letter is, and you'll see it in our series, is he's, he's not sort of linear in how he writes. He's circular. So sometimes you'll find bits about one thing further on. And here's an example. This is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. We're trying to work out what God's commands are, and I reckon he's a pointer to it. First thing, to believe in Jesus Christ, what God wants of us. And second, to show love for our fellow church members. As we'll see later in the letter, the people who've separated from the church seem to be rejecting the teaching that Jesus is God come in the flesh and also saying that he's not the Christ or Messiah sent to save the world. Basically, two key truths about Jesus they're rejecting. And God commands, doesn't he, that people recognise his Christ if they wish to have a relationship with him, and they're rejecting that. And we'll look at the second aspect of God's command there, the last line, loving our fellow believers in a moment. But you see here that that's the sort of thing John's probably got in mind when he 
when he talks about if we follow his commands, we can be confident that we have a relationship with God. Notice John's strong words to condemn those who claim to know God but in fact don't obey his commands, who don't believe Jesus uh, is who God says he is or who he is, who don't love their fellow brother and sister. You can see it there in verse 4. I imagine these are the people who've separated themselves from the recipients of the letter that John has in mind as he writes this. Whoever, as in those people, says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. You can be sure you know and love God if you see yourself wanting to obey God's commands, you're relating to him as he is and as he is entitled to you to relate to him. Those who claim to know him but reject his commands, as here in verse 4, are not treating God as God but as some insipid, puffy marshmallow man who won't or can't do anything about how they treat him. It doesn't matter how you live because it's not going to make any difference, they reason. Or maybe they're thinking of him as like a, a malleable, plasticine God who can be made to fit around their life and their choices. Or maybe they think of God as a pick-and-mix God where you, know, you take a bit of what you want, a bit of what you find sweet and soothing from different teachings and different religions and different philosophies and put it all together into God of your own liking. Now, the loving God of Christianity is popular, so I'll have some of that. That, tends, that jar tends to get empty very quickly, but the, the jar of the God of Christianity who's commanding and expecting and wants us to serve him, well, not as many uh, lollies are taken from that jar. The problem with all that is we're not relating to God as he really is, as he really is like and when you treat God like that, if you, if you relate to God like that, you don't know him. You can't have confidence that you know him if you don't obey God's commands, is what John's saying. To not obey God's commands is proof that a person doesn't really know the true and living God. But, verse 5, he, he's the positive again, if anyone obeys his word... Love for God is truly made complete in them. What that verse is saying when it talks about being complete is that the person's love for God is proven by their obedience to God. Their love completes its work. So they love God. How do you know? How can you tell someone loves God? You watch their life, John is saying, and as you see them obeying, serving God, ah, yes, they do love God. You can tell. Because to truly love God is to want to do what he wants, to please him. So I wonder at this point, let's, let's uh, pause and see where we're at. How are you going on our marathon run today? This sermon won't be a marathon, but <laughs> fitting my earlier analogy. How are you going? Are you feeling great encouragement at this point? Looking at your life, can you see where you do obey God by believing in Jesus as the Lord and by seeking to serve him and by loving your brothers and sisters and caring for them. As a minister of this church, I am encouraged because that is what I see so many of you constantly doing. Many of our church 
uh, through really testing and difficult situations, keep on trusting God, keep on serving Jesus and being faithful. And many of you, in all sorts of ways, care for each other and help each other. It's, it's very encouraging. It's very impressive. I feel that many in our church can feel encouraged that they really do know God because they are obeying his commands. But as I say that, and that's encouraging, do you feel the keep going message as well that's underlined this? This keep going message is there, but it is really plain in the encouragement John writes in the second half of our passage tonight. And it's my second point. You can be sure you're in a relationship with God if you love your brothers and sisters like Jesus. This point is all about sharing a family likeness. And I'm not talking about a likeness of hair colour or height or eye colour. It's about sharing the family character. In the movie Suicide Squad, one of the best lines uttered by an Australian actress Margot Robbie's character Harley Quinn comes when she and fellow criminals are being escorted through the deserted streets of a city by a detail of soldiers. They pass by a big department store and she suddenly uh, just smashes a window with her, with her, base, her signature baseball bat um, and grabs this expensive designer handbag out of the window. And when the soldier looks absolutely shocked by her actions, she adjusts the bag on her shoulder and calmly justifies her actions based on the family character. We're bad guys. It's what we do. John's point in verses 5 to 6 is that if you're one of God's good guys or girls, you'll act like God's son, Jesus. What you do will be like what Jesus would do. So have a look at end of verse 5 again. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Whoever claims to live in God, to have a relationship with God, in other words, must live as Jesus did. What, what does it mean to live as Jesus did? Does that mean Matt here needs to start wearing a white dress, grow a beard and wear sandals? Of course not. In the verses that follow here... Uh, John is going to talk about those who live in the light with God and that the way they demonstrate living in the light is by loving their brothers and sisters. That's what it means to live as Jesus did. And I think you, you see that confirmed as you read on a bit in 1 John. Have a look at chapter 3, verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. To live as Jesus did, what is it? What does it say from that verse? It's to lay down our life for others. It's to lovingly serve others, even and especially at cost to ourselves, putting ourselves out. It's easy to serve people when it doesn't cost you anything, when you just have to lift your legs so they can get by and sit next to you. But when you actually have to you know, put some of your time into it or, or your money or talk to someone that's not as easy to talk to as someone else and it's not as fun. That's loving people. That's caring for people. So 
The question I want to ask you, though, is what's the connection then between uh, living like Jesus did by loving others? How does that prove you're living in God? Because the verse said, uh, talked about people being encouraged because they're living in God and said it was evidence by living like Jesus did. Well, what's it got to do with God if you live like Jesus did? Well, it's the family likeness again. So I'm looking ahead further in 1 John into chapter 4. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. You live like Jesus did, loving others, you are being like God is. And here's a few other verses in chapter 4, verse 10. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Do you see what this is saying? God the Father is on about love, and so he sent Jesus to be our atoning sacrifice for our sins so we could be saved and live with him forever. Why? Because he loved us. And God the Son, Jesus, lovingly laid down his life for us. Why did he did that? do that? Because he loved us. And so the, the demonstration that we are in the family, that we know the Father and the Son, that we're in a relationship with God, is going to be, if we love, in particular, if we love our brothers and sisters. It, it's the family likeness. It's just in the family. If you don't love your brothers and sisters, you're not a Christian. Don't fool yourself. If you don't put yourself out for others... You haven't got it. You haven't understood. You don't have a relationship with the Father. That's his point. So there's really great encouragement here for everyone who's loving their brother and sister. You can be confident you're in a relationship with God. Don't let anyone tell you that you're not a Christian because you don't have some special knowledge or can perform some special spiritual technique like speaking in tongues or because your life isn't blessed as materially as someone else. Those things don't prove anything about someone's relationship with God. By your love for your brothers and sisters, that demonstrates you have a relationship with God, that you truly are in God. That's the great encouragement of this passage. If you know yourself that you do put yourself out to love and care for others, serve others at church, catch up with others who you're concerned about, be encouraged. The great encouragement, as I said though, comes with the keep going message. And it's what verses 7 to 11 are all about. So let me show you. At first, John seems to contradict himself a bit in verses 7 and 8. Let's have a look. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you've had since the beginning. This old command is the message you've heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. It's truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. On the one hand, it's an old command and then it's a new command. What, what is he saying? Well, this idea of it being an old command comes because it was Jesus who first gave the command. Again, up on the screen from John's Gospel, chapter 13, Jesus said this to his disciples. Of, you know, God, John was there, the, the writer here. He was there and heard this. 
A new command I give you, love one another as I've loved you, so you also must love one another. And so it's an old command because it was way back that Jesus gave it. And also, as it says there in verse 7, the recipients of John's letter have had that command since the beginning. They were taught that when they first became Christians at the beginning of their Christian life. But on the other hand, it's also a new command because that's what Jesus called it. It's a new command. It's a fresh thing, a fresh way he wants his people to think and act and do. And so they need to keep going with it, don't they? And the great encouragement John notes is, and I love this for the people, is they have been obeying Jesus' command. Look at verse 8 again. I'm writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you. As Jesus demonstrated loving others in his own life, its truth is also seen in you, John has observed. So again, he's encouraging them, thinking about how when Jesus was on earth and now in the lives of his followers, John can go on to say that the true light is already shining in a world which is in darkness, meaning a world which is otherwise in rebellion against God, marked by the darkness of sin, hate, envy, violence and selfishness and godlessness, John's saying, your behaviour, Christians, is like a light shining in that darkness. It's, it's pointing to a different way to live. We saw last week that one way to describe having a relationship with God was to be walking in the light. Do you remember that? And remember how that meant to serve and please God rather than living for sin in the darkness as he set it up. Well, today, John's making clear what what a key aspect of walking in the light is, and it's going to be practical love for our spiritual brothers and sisters. The alternative, hating brothers and sisters, wishing ill on them, feeling revengeful toward them, That sort of attitude is a demonstration that a person doesn't have a relationship with God, but in fact is living in the darkness. And sadly, John says that people in that situation sometimes don't even realise they're in the darkness. They don't realise there's another way. They might even think they're okay with God, yet, verse 11 They're in a serious predicament. Look at verse 11. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They don't know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. That's why we pray, isn't it? That's why we pray for people uh, who don't know Jesus, that God will open their hearts and minds so they'll be able to see that they need a saviour, that they need to relate to God as he really is. So don't give up your praying. If you took up the 2 by 2 2020 prayer commitment a couple of weeks ago when we did, talked about it in church, a few, three weeks ago, don't uh, give it up. I hope you're still going with that, praying for those two people uh, to come to know Jesus. They're in darkness. They need your prayers. They need God to work by his spirit to open up their hearts and minds. Well, how do you feel about what John has been saying. Have you identified yourself in here? I hope that many of you have been encouraged because you do seek to obey God's commands concerning following Jesus 
and love for others. And you do seek to live as Jesus did by lovingly serving your brothers and sisters in this church and beyond, like our mission partners, uh, the Woolmers in South America, we pray and some of us give money towards them. And Ankara, we're going to hear from Susie next week about the work at McKellar. Be encouraged, but hear to the keep going message here from John. He stands on the side of the road as you run past in, in your life, in the marathon that is your life. And at verse 10, he has this keep going message for you. Have a look at verse 10. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there's nothing in them to make them stumble. Keep loving each other. Keep thinking, how do I love each other better? The thing about 1 John is we're going to have lots of uh, a number of other passages that challenge us about our love for each other and we'll look in much more detail about what that might look like. But let's remember that idea of living like Jesus in our service of each other. I'm going to pray. Father God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for the encouragement of this passage that we can know that in you, uh, as we follow your commands, as we love our brothers and sisters, we have a relation. We can be confident of our relationship with you. We really do know you. We thank you for this reminder. We pray, Lord, to you, help us also to heed the keep going message here. Help us to keep obeying you and help us to keep loving each other. Please help us to work out what that means in practice. Amen.